Hi, this is Edadale Hornsteiner, and welcome to Live Living's Transformational Connection, the place where you experience how to reconnect your body, mind, and spirit to God. Today I have as my guest an artist, worship leader, songwriter, and singer. He started out as a basketball player and pre-law student in college before following a path into the music industry. And now he has produced his second album, Flesh and Soul, which has been gaining tremendous momentum with listeners. My guest is Danin Kane. Danin, welcome to the, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Your album title, Flesh and Soul, is a pretty interesting one. But before you tell us the message or story behind that title, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the music industry. Yeah, it's a, a little bit of a different start for me. I I didn't do anything musical until I was 20 years old. Um, I was heavy heavily into into sports as a kid, and uh, went into college uh, intending to, to play for a long time as well. And um, God had a different plan. I I got heavily involved with a, a campus ministry at my college, and um, ended up wanting to learn guitar to 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 help out with some. Bible study worship times and some just uh, worship times that they were having and ended up discovering that I had a little bit of a gift for for music. And, and when I picked up guitar and singing, I, I started writing songs almost uh, immediately and had my first album out a year after I picked up guitar for the first time. So it was a, uh, a little bit later start in life, but it was an obvious kind of uh, nudge from God that, that he had something in store for that. Tell us about the title of your album, Flesh and Soul, that is now out. Uh, flesh and Soul is just kind of um, that picture of the battle between flesh and spirit, how as human beings we have we have the flesh to deal with, we have our own kind of selfish desires and, and humanistic things, and then you know, as a Christian we, we really want to please God with our life. We realize that that he's given us grace and that it's all glory to him, but at the same time as a, as a token of thankfulness for the gift of salvation, we want to please our Father. We want to please the one who is good to us. And and Flesh and Soul just is an honest look at my walk in, in kind of battling with, you know, still having struggles and still not getting it completely right, but still having a sincere desire to please, please my Father. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know in a press release you... You had written, or it was, uh, I'll just quote those lines in the press release. You said, the older I get, I realize how much following Christ is a sanctification process that is a very long and messy one. And as Christians, we sometimes feel a heavy pressure to present a polished and successful version of ourselves that doesn't show any weakness. It's in the protection of that false image that we tell a dying world to worship a morality they don't understand. Instead of leading them to the Savior, we all so desperately need. And that's a, those are some powerful words there. Absolutely. I, I, I think, you know, I think if we're not careful, we, we as, a, as a body, as a church, as a, as a uh, you know, a, a Christian mouthpiece can really tell a world uh, a very false gospel, that it's about doing the right things, that it's about cleaning yourself up, that it's about sin versus sin versus good, and really forget the biggest piece of, of everything, and that's Christ, that we are all 
that we all fall short of the glory of God, that we all make mistakes, and we will all um, we will all make mistakes till the last breath that we that we take on this earth, and that it really is all about Jesus. That that's why we need Him. Is that um, we will never match up. You know, the Old Testament um, says that our righteousness is like filthy rags to Him. Even on our best day, our perfect day, our our best day of trying to do everything right and live completely holy is still filthy compared to the holiness of God. And that's why Jesus needed to die. And that's that's the message of, of, of love and grace that we need to, 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 to share with the world because the world... Um, they already know that they, they've, they've made mistakes and uh, we don't need to pile that on them and we don't need to present ourselves as having it all together uh, because they know that we don't. <laughs> they have a, a two-minute conversation with us and they can see pride and they can see different things that they know that we don't have it all together. So, so why pretend, um, why not point to the reason why we do have life and that's Jesus and Jesus alone. But we do want that perfect image, don't we, as Christians? Um, we we want to see that the person has it all together and everything in place. They say the right things. They quote the right scripture. Or is this the false image that you're talking about, that you're referring to? Yeah, I think, I think that's the difference between um, realizing that that sanctification process, that that turning into the likeness of Jesus is a long, is a long haul. It's not, uh, it's not a, a complete all at once thing. And I think we as Christians feel that pressure that when we accept Christ and we start to follow Christ, um, that we have to have everything in line right away. And and you see even even the way that you know the disciples <laughs> were, were were rebuked on a pretty regular basis by Jesus saying, you know, you don't get it yet. You don't get it yet. They, you know, they were, they were walking right next to him and you saw the process of them starting to get it as they, as they continued on. Um, sanctification is, is really a long process of dying to yourself and realizing that Jesus is now your Lord. Your opinion is now second to his. And, and that is a, is a tough thing in a culture where we're told to self-worship and that everything's all right and whatever you think goes, um, to flip that on its head and say, no, now I have a king, I have a Lord whose opinion is greater than mine and I'm going to submit myself to, to him. That's a, that's a process. And so I think as Christians, we feel the pressure from each other to pretend like we're further down that path than we actually are. And I think we do uh, a disservice to... Um, to the glory of God when we when we present ourselves um, as having it together instead of continuing to point to Jesus and say, no, he is my hope, he is my everything, he is my savior, he is my righteousness. And my process of, of, of worshiping him in realization of that, um, that's what we, we, we need to project the most and let God do the sanctifying and purifying in his timing. Right. Well, I like this scripture that reminds us in Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, which says, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And, um, and that's, like, that's what I'm hearing here with you. And um, I know recently you've been sharing about a particular struggle you've been having, which is depression. Um, 
And when did you become aware of this problem? I think, you know, looking back, I think I've I've always, that presence has always been in my life. I've always struggled with it, but I think the older I've gotten, the more I've been able to to figure out what's going on, and and I, I've seen it um, act a little bit more. But yeah, it's it's definitely been a presence in my life as long as I can remember. But I think the older I've gotten, the the more realization I have of the world and the way it is, and and how I fit and how I don't fit in it. Uh, it's definitely affected me more, probably. Well, speak, speak to me more about that because I know in the article you wrote for Solutions Magazine. Um, and during about the, this struggle, you said in it, you said that depression is physiological, psychological, and spiritual, or it has um, physical, psychological, and spiritual elements to it as well, and that's why it's so hard to treat, explain, face, and even understand. I think for those of us who don't struggle with depression, this is a true statement, but share with us it's Yes, and honestly, as yes, you could, what this struggle has been like for you, as you said, as you've gotten older, so that we can learn to empathize and, and even show more compassion to others in this area rather than say, okay, you just need to get over it and, or just fight it through or, you know, something. Just share with us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think I think that is the difficult thing about depression is there's so many things that go into it, and, and not everyone's is exactly the same. I mean, you talk to a bunch of different people that have depression, and they've all got a slightly different experience. There are common threads, but it's not all the same. And so, um, you know, for me, uh, when I've been in, in kind of the deeper bouts of depression, and I've had people, well-intentioned people with good hearts that just don't understand what it's like, to say, well, you just need to choose joy or you just need to get over it or you need to um, whatever it might be. It's, it's, it, it, to a person who's struggling with depression, it's like, are you kidding me? You, you don't think I'd like to choose joy? You don't think I'd like to wake up and not feel like this? Um, it, it's something that's going on on multiple levels that we're having to, to walk through. And so it's, it's, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, also in the magazine you said, but for me it was during my darkest days that I started to be the most transparent about my life to those around me, not because I wanted to, but because I had no more strength to convince everyone I was okay. No one wants yeah. to admit they need help, and no one wants to admit that illusion. A lot of us try to perpetrate on social media of a perfect and happy life is actually the far the furthest thing from our current reality. So I started to share. Um, you say I had no more strength to convince everyone I was okay. I get the impression that hiding a struggle r- removes or sucks a lot of strength and energy from us. What happened as you became transparent and began to share? It's one thing to be open with your family and friends, but what about your fans or those who don't know you? Yeah, I think uh, I think of the scriptures, you know, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. There's there is a there's a power in in really being open and honest about whether it's sin or whether it's something like depression, um, where we're honest with people because we think 
in this culture that no one is struggling with anything because everyone presents themselves as a perfect person. Everyone on social media edits their pictures. They're all smiling pictures about all the great things that they're happening in their world. And so we think because of the images that are, that are presented to us all around us that we're the only ones that aren't happy or we're the only ones that are going through something. And so when we break that silence that we actually are struggling, it gives permission to the person next to us to say, I'm struggling too. I've also got stuff going on that, 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 I, um, that I don't want anyone to know about because I'm ashamed of it or X, Y, and Z. And so I think there's a lot of, when we break that fear of I'm the only one that's going through this, and we confess it to another person, we open up and we ask for help, I think we realize that, wait, everyone around me is also going through something. And that's a very freeing experience. That takes a a big burden off our shoulders because now we're in this together. It's not me against the world or I'm the crazy one or I've got something going on that no one else has got going on. We realize, no, we're, we're all struggling. We're all hurting. We all need each other. We 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 aren't you know one weaker than the other. We are all in this together, and that's a, a very very freeing experience. I remember um, I shared with you Dr. David Allen some work I've done with him. I'm a psychiatrist, and he always says, um, you know, what you don't confront, you, you it's difficult for you to conquer. And and that yeah. you know and and as long as we are hiding it and not confronting it, like you said, not confessing it and coming out, it's going to be difficult for us to conquer as well. And, and of Absolutely. course, this, this false image, I, you know, we don't realize that, that we are actually perpetrating, we're, you know, we're putting, it's almost an idolatry type of way, an idol that we have of a perfect, whether it's perfectionism, that I have it all together, or this is supposed to, the way it's supposed to be, or I, like you said, you were editing photos on social media, presenting the happy family with smiles, mm-hmm. and so you're quite correct on that. It is interesting. I, I, I just I think the the most you know powerful thing about Christianity and, and the most powerful thing about Christ is that you know he he's given us freedom. He has given us freedom. He has forgiven us. He loves us as we are and as we're walking through the journey. And I think you know we it's so easy to fall back into the cultural mind of of humanism where where we are our own God, and we have to present ourselves as, as, um, as such. And I think, um, yeah, I think I think we all fall into it. And I think part of walking as a Christian is is walking in humility and saying we don't that we need a savior every moment of every day. Mm-hmm. It's not just the one time where we pray the prayer and, and we ask him into our hearts. Every single day we have to choose whether he's going to be the Lord of our life or not and whether the image that we're going to present to the world is an image of humility and an image of honesty and an image of pointing to the Savior or an image of pointing to ourselves and saying, look how strong I am, look how beautiful I am, look how good I am, look how perfect I am. I think when we do that, we we actually take focus off of Christ and put it on ourselves. And I think as believers, whether we're on the mountaintop or the valley floor, we need to be pointing to Christ to say all glory to him. Glory to him when things are going great and glory to him 
when things aren't because he's going to bring us through it and he has a home that is way greater than this home for us. I just love that. I, I love the way, you know, you said that, you know, making sure that we are pointing to him. And, and of course, as you say, he has removed the shame and fear from our lives and so that we, so that we can be transparent and so people can see him through us. Once you remove, because that shame and fear is really what's blocking the light from shining. Yeah. I want to challenge you a bit. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. In the article, I want to quote these lines. He said, as crazy as it might sound, depression has actually been a blessing in my life, a blessing I do not enjoy as much as finding $100 or making an amazing new friend, but a blessing nonetheless. Nothing has brought me to greater dependence on Christ or to the foot of the cross more times than this affliction. Nothing has made me search the depths of my heart more than this curse. How can you call depression then a blessing? Yeah, I think I think that's been a, a controversial statement. And, and uh, I guess what I mean by that is... Um, you know, I growing up and I've been a Christian for a long time and I've I've you know, I've prayed for God to to deliver me from it. I've I've gone to a lot of links to, to try to remove it from my life and yet here it is, it still it still remains. And so I think I can interrupt of, you. Hold on oh, a yeah. second. I, I, um you say I know I found it very interesting. You said people told you that if you focus on God's love, you wanna talk about that? And that, um, and you did, but you still had it, had the feelings. Um, where, do you remember the quote? I, I, mean, I can't remember that part. Okay, um, I think he said I'll, I'll read it. Um, you said I used to, I used to feel, I used to view it as an affliction, as enormous burden. I think this is the part here. Sure as if there was something wrong with me and that I needed to find a cure. But then I thought, what greater cure could there possibly be than having a love relationship with the God of the universe? And yet here I am, 25 years into that love relationship, and the presence of depression is still alive and well. After wrestling with these thoughts over and over, I've come to find that in many ways, as crazy as it might sound, depression has actually been a blessing in my life. That was the fault, the fault. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I think I think what I mean by that is, you know, earlier when I talked about it being uh, multifaceted, where it's uh, experiential, it's physiological, it's psychological, it's spiritual. Um, even with the understanding and even with the knowledge that I have a relationship with the God of the universe, and the God of the universe loves me exactly the way that I am. Uh, and and that he created me for glory and all these beautiful things that should make me happy. They they weren't making me happy all the time. So that told me that there was more to it than just um, just an understanding thing, that there were physiological things happening. There were a lot of different factors that were, were causing me to wake up and feeling the way that I was, feeling so abandoned and alone and 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 down and lack of energy and all these different things, and so I, I you know I prayed and I asked you know God for a, a transformed mind and a transformed everything and deliverance and all these different things and yet 
I still would have these physical manifestations of feeling sadness and a sadness that I that that had nothing to do with my my current circumstances. Things in life were going well, but I was still sad. I I had a relationship with God and I understood that he loved me and that he forgave me and yet I was still sad. And so with all that in there, I I started to wrestle with God. Okay, God, what is this and why? Why is this a part of my life? Why don't other people seem to experience what I'm experiencing? I don't want this. And yet when I would go through those seasons of sadness and I would go through those 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 times of 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 the, the manifestations of the pain and the, the the sadness and the emptiness and all these things, I started to realize that those were the times where I really pressed into God more than any other time. When I would go through seasons of of not feeling that, I kind of self-relied a lot more. I, I relied on myself. I, I I thought that my own strength was good enough. I read the word less. I I did a lot of things that were just more, I can do this in my own strength. But when I was in those seasons of sorrow and sadness and things that I could not explain, I, I saw myself going to the cross way, way more saying, God, help me. God, where are you? I need you. God, I, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I, I, I really I really need you more and more. And so I looked at it kind of in a, in a thorn in the flesh type thing of I've asked for this to be gone, but it's not, so what do I do with it? And and I saw the way that it, it continued to bring me to greater dependence on God for not just, you know, a meal or or before a worship time, but all throughout the day. God, I, I, I love you. I need you. Um, I know that you're there. Um, and, and, and so I, I saw it just bring me continually more and more back to him. And then I thought to myself, you know, what is the point of life? Like, why do we exist? Why do we have breath in our lungs right now? It's it's not what culture says, which is to find a great career and to make a lot of money or to make a great name for yourself or maybe even find the love of your life and, and have a family. Those things are beautiful things, but those things aren't the point of life. The point of life, if we believe it as the Bible says it, is to worship God is to give glory to him on the mountaintop and the valley floor, whatever experience we're going through, whatever we're going through, is to say that God is God and we are not, and that he is good, that he is powerful, that he is just, that he is faithful. And so I thought to myself, if the point of life isn't what culture says, which is just to be happy, is to gain everything that you want and be everything that you want and it's all about you and whatever fulfills you is, 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 is it goes. If if life isn't about that, but life is to say that he is God and I am not and this life is not about me, it's about him, then what then anything that brings me to a greater dependence on him, anything that points me to the cross, anything that points me to the fact and the reality that I need him every moment of every day and he is the reason why I have breath then I can call that a blessing and if he chooses to to, oh sorry no 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 go ahead and then and if he chooses to to remove this thorn from my flesh which I would love (laughs) because no one loves feeling sad no one loves feeling these things if he chooses to do that awesome praise be to God but if he doesn't but if he doesn't, still praise be to God, and I will, I will, I will 
use everything and anything as an opportunity to depend on him more and more. You know, um, Dr. Kurt Thompson, he's one of our guests, um, a Christian psychiatrist that we've had on the show, says even though you cannot change the events of your story, you can change the way you experience your story. And so that's what I'm hearing. Um, and I'm, I am hearing a transformation, you know, a, a renewing of your mind in terms of how perhaps we do see suffering in our lives. And, sure. and that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that your brokenness has brought you closer to God. And the Word of God does say to us that he is close to the brokenhearted. And I hear an emotional connection that these emotions that, you know, not, of course, sadness and the dark feeling, I'm not saying they're of God, but you've made some in the messiness have connected or been able to find God in the midst of the darkness. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think for me it's 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 like I said, it's almost easier for me to really focus and depend on him when I have a greater understanding of my own messiness and my own struggle and my own um, deficiencies, my own insecurities. I think a lot of my depression, uh, I think uh, a lot of it um, from an experiential side of it uh, flows from insecurity of feeling like I don't fit, you know, and I look around in culture and what culture says is beautiful, what culture says is important. Um, I don't like and and I I don't want to fall into, but yet I look around me and if I don't fall into it, I don't get as much attention or I don't feel like I get as much love and 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 that that messes with me, you know that that, that hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I when I realize that when I realize my own insecurity, when I realize my own how much that can affect me. Um, I have one of two choices. I can I can spiral into despair away from God and and go and go chase after those things which I know don't lead to anything that's sustaining and good, or I can I can spiral back onto the floor of the cross and and say, God, I I know that I'm insecure, but you tell me who I am. You tell me what you think of me, not what the world thinks of me and what the world says is important, but what do you say is important? And so that that sadness and that 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 messiness and that brokenness, um, you're 100 percent correct. You know, you can use it for good or for bad. And I, and I think that um, that God has allowed me over this long journey of, of battling with for, for 35 years um, to to learn to say, okay, I'm going to use this for good. I'm going to use this to point me to Christ. Right, and and that scripture, like I said, I love it so much. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you're right on. Uh, let's talk about the album. The songs are set as free, and I want to play just a little bit of it um, for our audience as well. He's in the breath inside you. He's in the falling rain. That shines on every morning day for you. You're never alone. He's in the bird that's singing from 
just outside your door He's in the laughter bursting From every baby born for you You're never alone Song with Set of Free is, is, is kind of what we've been talking about. You know, I, anyone who struggles with depression knows that, you know, sometimes it's it's just hard to get out of bed. And and you feel feelings of abandonment. You feel feelings of isolation. You feel like you don't fit. You feel like no one understands. And uh, when I was, I was just kind of having a vision of that one one morning and, and I started to to get this vision where, you know, God really is everywhere if we look for him. You know, we, and I started to think about all the different ways that God, God speaks to us and God shows himself in his creation. And, and the, the song has this kind of gentle ramp up, even with in speed and tempo, it starts out at a slow tempo and it, it slowly ramps up as, as though something's coming alive and then it changes in the middle to to more of a kind of a glorious celebration because I got a picture, a vision in my head of all the people that have struggled with anxiety, struggled with depression, struggled struggled with addiction, that that um, that are followers of Christ. That when we get to heaven, I got this picture of just this amazing party, and we were all dancing in the courts of heaven to the song that set us free, the song that represented salvation, the song that represented uh, represented deliverance, and so it starts out with this very, you know, chill, mellow um, feeling of of the morning and and the sadness, but then realizing God is everywhere, and this is not our home. And one day we're going to experience true and utter deliverance and freedom and the joy that comes with that. But Dana, it sounds to me that you're on a transformational journey. We all struggle with emotions and feelings and learning how to rise above them during the difficult periods in our lives that we all go through, like you said, is and, and praise God in the midst of these difficult times. It's it's one that we have to do as believers if we profess that Jesus the Savior is is our one who is the Savior. And in order to live out that we have to be able to rise above those emotions and feelings. I just want to say with love and gratitude, thank you so much for your honesty and transparency. Um, God has given you a gift, and it is your anointed music that I feel will help set people free, those who are imprisoned by the emotions and feelings of depression, rejection, or abandonment. And I want to leave these last words um, from the message Bible in Romans 8. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pines, but it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pines. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes the pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. And I think that is right on line with your celebration that we're going to have one day. 
And I just wanted to invite our listeners to check out your website. And you want to tell our uh, listeners what that website is and where we can purchase your music? Yeah, um, my website is uh, my name, danenkane.com, D-A-N-E-N-K-A-N-E. And um, uh, you can purchase uh, purchase albums off of there as well as find tour dates and things like that. And uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And then digitally it's, it's available everywhere, Amazon, iTunes, um, Spotify, all those different places. Great. Thank you again, Damon, for being on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity, and, and God bless you in your ministry as well. We'll overcome.